It's time for Ralph and Vicky's Off-Grid Podcast with your host, outdoor writer Pete Rogers. We're coming to you from the Hunter's Blend Coffee Studio. Hunter's Blend Coffee, defending hunting one cup at a time. Now, let's get into this week's show. Welcome back to Ralph and Vicky's Off-Grid Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Rogers, and today we have with us someone who has helped change the outdoor space throughout his career. Growing up on a small cattle farm in South Carolina, he found a foundation for love of the outdoors and the rural lifestyle. Although he has taken several ventures and opportunities in the outdoor industry through the years, his heart has never strayed too far from the basics, and that is the simple art of bow hunting and enjoying each season the land has to offer. While in college, he began writing an outdoor column for a local newspaper, which opened the door for work in a local archery pro shop. And then after graduating college, he secured a job with the National Wild Turkey Federation as communications specialist that later moved into a public relations specialist. Following this stint, he moved to Mississippi and joined Mossy Oak as public relations director, where he worked with media, pro staff, marketing teams to elevate the brand. After some years at Mossy Oak, he moved back towards home and became marketing director of the Quality Deer Management Association. But home kept calling, and he moved back home to South Carolina to work remotely for an Oregon-based company where he spent seven years promoting some of the biggest brands in the outdoor space. In 2012, he took his biggest risk to date when he, along with some friends, purchased Montana Decoy Company, where he now serves as president. Please welcome to Ralph and Vicky's Off-Grid Podcast, Mr. C.J. Davis. Hey, C.J. Hey, C.J., how's it going? Very good. Man, that was a super nice introduction. That's probably yeah. the nicest one I've ever had. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we really like let it lay it on thick there, didn't we? Yeah, obviously Ralph didn't write that. <laughs> oh, wow, <laughs> man. Thanks, pal. <laughs> we, yeah, I, we, we have known you forever, CJ. Yeah. You know, I was trying to think the other day when I first met you guys, and I, I honestly can't remember. So... It has been a while. It has been. I mean, we're talking way back. I mean, you know what? But within this, within the hunting industry, it's such a small industry that I think, you know, heck, I think we know just about everyone. But I mean, we've, yeah. we've known you for, I don't even know. My gosh, you were working way up there in the Oregon company at that point. No, before that. <laughs> before that. Yeah. yeah, that's right. We did. Yeah. yeah. Wow. It's always funny, too, because you meet somebody and then you find out you almost knew them long before because, you know, Jim Crumley's such a good friend of yes. mine. And yep. I know he's talking about. Ralph and your shop and those old pictures of you in the original tree bark back in yep. the, well, we don't want to date ourselves too much. No, buddy. A while back. We admit we're old. It's okay. <laughs> we're all about the same age in here, so old it's all right. Yes. It's all good. It's all good. Experienced and seasoned. Yeah, I like that. Uh, but, CJ, but CJ, you know, you know, trying to get back on this on the subject because you know, you know us, we're always going to float everywhere. Um, you know, we've been working together with Montana decoys for a long time, and and you know, we truly believe in them. Um, you know, and and just give us a little bit of background on that. Well, it's an interesting company, and and it's an, uh, uh, it ties into me in a unique way because the. The first trip west of the Mississippi I ever made as a uh, high school kid was my parents took me to Montana for a summer pack-in trip. Um, and that was highly unlike my parents, especially my mom, because that meant I got to skip a few days of, of uh, school that year because we just didn't get back in time. Uh-huh. So Montana's always been really special for me. And um, the guy that originally started Montana, Jerry McPherson, is still a vital part of everything we do day to day. And 
he and I like the joke, although it's not really a joke to me, is that he gave up all the not fun stuff and yeah. does all the fun stuff and I get to do all the not fun stuff now. So he does all of my prototyping and, you know, field testing and stuff like that. He just killed a uh, really nice Montana 10 point whitetail the other day with a new um, prototype whitetail decoy we're playing around with. So nice. um, he's definitely involved and out there. But And I started working with him way back when I was at Mossy Oak doing some stuff you know, rider hunts and things like that. And then uh, he became a client of mine when I worked for uh, Chevalier, the advertising agency. And he just came to me one day and, you know, said he was thinking about selling Montana decoy. And it just appealed to me, just the brand, the name, and, you know, having known Jerry and how the company was built. And it's, it was a small company. It's still a small company. I mean, we're a very lean operation and um, we still try to be, you know, innovative in our space. And for Montana, it's always, it's always been about, you know, portability and lightweight because you're never going to use the decoy that you didn't take with you. And Jerry being an elk hunter, uh, you know, it's just a lightweight and, and easy carrying uh, really what appealed to him and what led him to develop it back in the day. Cause he kept hunting these elk in this open area and he would call them only so close. Um, and then they just hang up out of bow range. So he was inspired, you know, like that story we all love to hear of someone that identifies a problem and works at it till they come up with a solution. And that's, that's kind of how it was born. And, and I'm thankful to be a part of the story. You know, I didn't get to be there from the beginning, but, you know, from the middle onward is where I feel like I fit in. So it's a neat, neat tie in for me. And, and I certainly love playing with the decoys and they're a great tool in any hunter's tool chest, you know, just another trick to use at the right time, right place. So when did he um, actually start marketing Montana decoys? If I'm remembering correctly, that would have been in the mid nineties. I was thinking it was about that long ago. I would know that off the top of my head, but I think it's 96 sticks in my mind. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I remember. I remember grabbing, you know, picking up one of the one of the first elk ones, just because. Yeah, those were the first ones out there. I think. Yeah, you know, we we dealt with the issues just like Jerry is, and just like you and everyone. You know, you could call them in, but they hesitate. They need to see something. And man, it was so easy. It just it folded up. It folded. You know, it opened up automatically, pretty much. And and I mean, there was there's no weight to it. And uh, it it I mean it had. I think that's why you've been around so long because it has results and that's huge. And we can do things, you know, the way our product is developed and built, you know, we can, we can change little subtle things of it. Like the freshman buck, I always like to say they're purpose built and he's purpose built for, you know, achieving a desired result. He's a young body white tail uh, with a small rack, but he's in this super aggressive pose. And, you know, we can create that one and we can create the estrus Betty and we can create, the, along with you guys, the Archer's Choice plot guy, we can do all these different things and it's not, you know, one molded decoy and one or two poses. We've got all these different selections that you can employ throughout the season. So we're a little more flexible with what we can do. Well, and, and, and CJ, the versatility of it alone is, you know, it, it just gives everybody just that much more to work with because, as you know, with decoying, you know, sometimes they work sometimes they they you know they don't but if you can change it up and you're going to find something that does work it just gives you that much more ammunition to being more successful and i don't know what your opinion is but i would say in my experience the hardest thing to decoy is a white tail yes. consistently 
I agree. One, we agree a thousand percent. I mean, just because, well, you you know what? I don't think a lot of people understand, um, you know, they see a decoy or they see something on TV or, you know, on, on social media. And they're like, the only thing they see is that one clip of that of that whitetail coming into the decoy. <laughs> right. And, and I mean, right. boom. and it works yeah. every time. So or, or or a guy rattling or a girl rattling and boom, there's the buck coming in or grunting. And and I mean, everybody assumes that every everything that they they see or they purchase is going to work 110 percent of the time. And we all know that's not true. I, I, I mean, but but having the versatility of changing up, especially the you know the posturing or you know just just maybe the rear end you know just of 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 in a food plot where you could have a deer feet just feeding not at full mm-hmm. alert not looking looking down a, a certain direction ears you know straight forward I, I mean having all of that I think is such is such a big uh, like added toolbox you know for success is is you 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 have the adaptability of really reaching any situation and the other thing there is so many people today have you know emphasis on on creating their own food plots so these deer are not like more of your western deer you know your midwest and that they come to that same backyard every single day they know every plant they know they know if somebody moves something and you know boom they're on alarm so when you can give you when you can put something out there that they they know that you know that's not alarming to them but yet relaxes them listen it helps i don't care what anybody says it does help it becomes a confidence decoy just like a waterfall yes sir right mm-hmm Yep. Well, let me ask you this, uh, CJ. As a, as a fellow South Carolinian, I have not. Oh my God! You know how he threw that in there. Carolinian. Yeah. Carolinian. Wow. I can't spell it. But that I sounded can say like it. something from Star Wars. Sounds kind of made up to me. <laughs> I'm a Carolinian. Yeah. Um, I've never tried decoys because our our terrain is so you know it's just different. I think. Um, most of where I hunt is in the Piedmont area, um, and it's big pines and big hardwood forests, very few agricultural fields. And what kind of situation would someone in that type of environment use a decoy? What time of year and how would they use it? So I'll give you a little bit of my personal history with them. And, you know, I think we're all guilty of being what Ralph has alluded to, brainwashed. You just hear something over and over that you just kind of take it for fact without really thinking about it. And for the longest time, I always thought decoys, you put them out in the middle for whitetails, you put them out in your food plot, and they walk right up to them. But in South Carolina, and I know the best way to start an argument among bow hunters is to say that your particular deer are the hardest to hunt, or your particular (laughs) leaf is harder to hunt than anybody else's. But I do feel there are some geographical, regional differences in the way whitetails operate. And I know there's subspecies, and I can't name them or tell you how many of them, but there, there are some differences. So, and I'm generally 99% of the time I'm a sick bow hunter. So I need things really, really close for me to have a shot at them. So it, it's affected the way I use decoys. And I tend to, I'll still use them around food plots and stuff. Don't get me wrong, but probably my favorite way to use them is actually in the woods. And, you know, in the Piedmont, you've got a lot of big pines, but you also have a lot of big uh, oak flats and places like that. And you know how those deer love white oak acorns at the right time of year. So, you can be sitting in this, or I could be sitting in this, you know, one to 10 acre 
white oak plant, the deer show up, you know, 45 minutes before dark. And if all or a lot of the trees are dropping, how do I make sure they get close enough to me for a bow shot? Certainly close enough to me for a recurve. And that's where I like using those decoys. And I try to plan it out to where I'm not so much wanting that deer to walk right up to that decoy. I'm wanting to pull that deer closer to that decoy. So I will put the decoy behind me instead of in front of me and just try to drift those deer by me because they're out there feeding. I'll use that. Uh, the feeding doe that's in the Archer's Choice plot pack, and that teaser tail gives it a little bit of motion back and forth. And obviously the motion pole works with that. It's in a feeding pose just like a deer would be in the acorns. And, and I've kind of gravitated towards enjoying using them that way and having more success with them that way than the, I would call it, traditional way of putting it out in the uh, food plot. And a lot of my friends use them. Uh, in those times you're talking about again, you know, where you've got lanes through them. It seems like you get these great big pine stands that may be of a certain age uh, where they're really thick and you've only got this one lane through there. Or, you know, they get a little older and you've got more open, but you've got all this brush under it except for the roadway or the lane that you're maintaining. Maybe you're even planting it too, but you get a lot of crossing action going on and you can stake those decoys out and it stops those deer in that lane. You know, you're almost using them I mentioned the confidence decoy to bring them in, but you're also using them as a distraction decoy to make them stop where you can, you know, if you're being picky, making sure it's a buck you want to take, or if it's late in the evening, making sure it's a mature doe, not a buttonhead you're about to shoot. So you can kind of use it in that way. Just, you know, you're not so concerned with bringing it right to you as you are stopping it, evaluating it, and presenting the shot before it crosses those lanes. Because you're hunting in the Piedmont. There's a lot of pine trees up there. Those things get pretty thick even when you get off the ground. So. Yeah, that that helps a lot. It really does because I, you know, I'm like what Ralph said a minute ago, where you see this stuff on television. They're in a plot and they got the the buck decoy twenty yards out in front of them, facing them, and the deer walks right into it. And I think that doesn't work in South Carolina. At least it hasn't in my and in my practice. And I could just be doing it completely wrong, you know, as far as that goes. No, but Pete, I love working no. consumer shows and stuff, and you know, guys will come up to me and and say. I want you to tell me the exact perfect time to use a decoy. Uh-huh. And that's a very, very open-ended question, you know, because if you know exactly where the deer is going to walk and you know exactly what time the deer is going to come out, then I wouldn't use a decoy. I wouldn't blow a gut call. I would just sit up there and wait and on wait. the walk. <laughs> that's, exactly no right. doubt. that's exactly right. So it's, it's always a little up in the air, but, you know, I can almost tell you 100% of the time when you shouldn't use a decoy. You know, if you know right where the deer is and where he's going and what time he's getting there, don't use the decoy. Right. No. And honestly, I, th- I think like like Pete said, you know, like not knowing in South Carolina and even here in Illinois, it's always food plots, you know, and we do hunt in the timber stands. And I guess I never really thought about just sticking one out behind us, like in our timber stand on our 50, you know, get them more comfortable where we've been seeing them up a little bit further. Where if maybe we put one of those decoys down there in that timber stand where I've been sitting, Ralph, you know, maybe do that just as like like a confidence decoy, like you said. Yeah, and I'm I'm naturally lazy. I'm sure you guys are not. I don't want to carry <laughs> anything else than what I need. So I'll take, you know, like that the the white tailed doe rump and like a bright eye that you use to mark your trail and I will literally just stick it to a tree. I don't even carry the leg poles in when I'm hunting in that timber like that sometimes. Well, what a great you, idea that is. Yeah, no well, doubt. You know, and and just like we're when we're running and gunning with our bows for for even the elk, you know, we'll turn around. We don't even use a stake. You, you know, we don't use a pole 
just mm-hmm. because, you know, we'll clip it on or we'll hang it on or, or I'll hold it and do the calling and try to give that some more movement just because when that bull's hanging up, but he sees her, it's over or he sees him. At least it solidifies in their mind. Hey, this is the real situation. You, you know what I mean? I'm going to come and investigate. And just like with our deer, you know, I think a lot of people, again, they they see that one situation on you know on that show or in, on you know on YouTube or whatever they see it and they're like oh this is you know I got to do this I got this is how I got to do it but you know like what we're seeing uh, a lot of times too is maybe especially if you're in a, in an area that they're they're concentrating on on a regular basis a food plot an ag field something that they're they're very accustomed to coming out to don't have that decoy completely out have part of it hidden on the like, edge, close yep, enough for have, a shot. Have our, do, our, 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 our plot doe feeding, and part of her is in the standing corn area. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they, they come out, and they see that, and it's like, okay, it's cool to come out. They're, they're already out there. So you, like the, the back half of it is in the corn, the yes, front sir. half sticking yep. out. Yep. Like and, and, and I mean, it, th- those types of things work. We'll be right back with more Ralph and Vicky's Off-Grid Podcast with your host, Pete Rogers. Ralph and Vicky's Off-Grid Podcast is proudly brought to you by Alps, Easton Archery, Browning Firearms, Bass Pro Shops, Cabela's, Delta McKenzie Targets, New Archery Products, Muddy Outdoors, Cyclops Lights, Boss Buck Feeders, Hoyt Bows, Hunter's Blend Coffee, Hunter's Specialties, Spy Point and True Globe. Welcome back to Ralph and Vicky's Off Grid Podcast with your host, Pete Rogers. We're coming to you from the Hunter's Blend Coffee Studio. Now, let's get back into this week's show. But then again, there's times that, you know, like a good example, you know, CJ just said it. And, and I, you know, I'll, I'll tell this story because we have it on camera. You know, I, I took one of our decoys and I moved it in our plot. And we were about 60 yards up from it because we knew where the deer were coming from and this one particular buck. My problem is I had a doe come out first and she didn't like that I had that decoy in that food plot. So she stopped. When she ran, he followed her. And like CJ just said, and I mean, learn from this, CJ's, and and we knew where they were coming from. If I would have made that approach a little different, and if I would have put that doe just maybe just partly into the bush, instead of just standing out there alone. Instead of so alarming. Right, right, right. You know, I I might have ended ended up utilizing or or doing it correctly. But the bottom line here is they they are going to help you in situations that just, Especially for a lot of these people out here that, that, you know, heck, we got a guy. It's pretty funny because, CJ, you know, we don't own a lot of land. So ne- next to one of our pieces, we have we have the Rattler. And every 15 <laughs> no, minutes. Mr. Rattlebag. Mr. Rattlebag. Right. Every 15 minutes, this dude rattles. That's Pete. He's from South Carolina. <laughs> he might be. <laughs> he might be. He might be. You got to wear hearing protection for the Rattlers. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> Mr. Rattlebag, we call him. But I can guarantee you, everybody listening, if they've ever done a grunt call or a rattle, whether it's a bag or real antlers, is they've got busted. Because here they hit those horn, you know, they hit the antlers, and they look down, and this buck comes running in. In that situation, without a shadow of a doubt, 
your decoy is going to draw the attention from where you are calling. And instead of them looking at your direction, they're looking at that decoy. It solidifies in their head, hey, this is real. Right. They're not searching to find something that made the noise. They automatically right. see that decoy. And that gives you time to put your antlers up and yep. grab your Absolutely. Yeah. It's crazy. And just like calling elk, J- CJ, just like your turkeys. I mean, you know that. When, oh, they, yeah. when they see something, it's like it snaps in their head like, oh, because they heard it. They heard the yelping, or they they heard the gobble, or they they heard that bull bugle, or they heard the cow call, or you, you know what I mean, or they they heard the the antlers, and and they're like, as they come out of that thick brush, they see it, and they're like, okay, what are they going to do? Then that's again, that's positioning of your decoy, because as y'all know, you know these bucks or your bulls are gonna are gonna circle, the bull's gonna circle, to, or the, the the buck's gonna circle to the head, and if it's a doe decoy, guess what? They're circling to the rear end. You got to think about that when you're putting those up, too. Oh, yeah, because we, we've seen so many screw up on that situation. And I'll bet you you get, a, you get emails every day on it. Oh, yeah. And I, uh, I love to call when I have a decoy out. And I probably am guilty of calling too much more than not enough because I just feel like I want to set the stage for the deer that are coming in. If they're coming to me calling or if they're coming to my food plot, I want them to expect to see another deer there. And then when they pop out or they see the decoy, it's just reinforcing it like what Vicky was saying. It's just reinforcing what they want or expect to see. And I hate it when I've goofed up and a deer like rounds the corner and there's a decoy at five yards from it or something. That never really ends well for me. I like for them to Same here. expect it and see it. Right. 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 I'm just to know that there's another animal there, make them feel safe, not five feet from them and go start blowing at you. Yes. Yeah. Because you know how territorial they, especially those does are. They know everybody in that 640-square-mile acre, or 640-square-mile block you're in. So. CJ, how much does uh, one of your decoys weigh, one of the white-tailed decoys? I'm sitting here looking at the website. It just says lightweight. Um, and I say the Archer's Choice Plot Pack. You know, if I was if I was going to get that, how much how much do those? So weigh? you're measuring it in, in ounces even with the leg poles, and they vary from, you know, maybe 15 up to – to 20 something ounces for the um, like the single decoys you know the leg poles ironically are the heaviest part which is why a lot of times I leave those behind we do offer some of those uh, lightweight aluminum poles for um, it's mostly geared for elk hunters and, and stuff like that where guys are really minimizing their weight to, to get back in somewhere I didn't even know we had aluminum poles yeah, we don't, uh, they're just listed under the accessories. We don't sell them out at, um, you know, like the dealer level okay, or, okay. or anywhere like that. Okay. Way to go, I'm trying Ralph. to sell some to those guys, but it's such a small thing. Um, yeah. And they're, and I mean, they get, they're getting the other poles with, with their decoy anyways. Yes, they are. Yeah. yeah. I, I, thanks for making clear that. I didn't want people to think they had to buy the leg poles, but all our decoys come with leg poles and, uh, like the Eichler Elk comes with the strings to hang it with, like you were talking about using. Yep. Earlier. And we also sell those separately, too. I think the biggest problem that we have with, with the Montana decoys is Ralph sometimes has a hard time folding them back up. He doesn't no, get I his don't. hands to switch the right way <laughs> to make it go small to put I back in his pack. I have perfected my technique. Now, come on. <laughs> he hasn't. He hasn't. I don't think so. No, no. The decoys, I have no issue. Now, you know that some of those blinds? Oh, hell yeah, CJ. I can't, I cannot close one of those spring loaded blinds for the life of me. I don't know. How, I don't know how they do it. 
I really don't. <laughs> it really is so convenient, though, to have like your spring-loaded decoy. Just yeah. you have it, you can put it right in your backpack and go wherever you want, and it's just there. And then all of a sudden, you realize, hey, wait a second, let's take it out and use it. We were just in Newfoundland. Yeah, and we used our moose decoy. We used the moose Absolutely. decoy up there, and there's footage of RJ laying on the rocks. This bull moose is coming in. Ralph and I are filming RJ, are filming the moose and RJ, and. At the last minute, I take my phone out just to film RJ laying on the rock just because it was a really cool angle. And you can see the moose decoy in the background just swaying in the wind. And you watch him shoot his moose with the moose decoy. And our guides, Tristan, they, they never they were like, are you kidding? They thought we were crazy. We're like, let's take it with us. And they're like, why? Like, please just understand. Like, because this is new. A lot of people don't think you can decoy moose. And oh, my gosh. And we've been running, doing it forever with we've you We've been guys. doing it forever. And I'm telling you what, we put this, it's just the head and the antlers decoy for the moose, for the bull moose. And the bulls were coming. We could actually hear, we had actually had really had good weather. It was not blowing wind at 70 miles an hour for once up there. So we could actually hear the moose grunting back at us. And wow. they came in and they saw this decoy and it, he just came straight in almost a mile away. You know, and again, it just solidifies when you're, especially when you're calling. And CJ, you guys could talk way better. You and Pete can talk way better on turkey hunting than we'll ever think. But but you guys know it is you, you could have the smartest bird, the smartest bull, the smartest buck. And when all of a sudden they hear that call, they have the ability to pinpoint where that sound came from. I don't care if they're, you know, a quarter of a mile away or a mile away. That moose or that elk hears it and it's like, boom, he knows. He walks straight to that tree. He starts coming to it. Well, then all of a sudden he doesn't see something. Same with that big old gobbler. You know, they've played this game before. And then they start, you know, you know, and everything else. And next thing you know is it's over. Go find another bird. When they yep. see mm-hmm. the decoy with the calling. It I, it's it's like that little thing that that triggers and says, "Hey, this is okay. I'm gonna you know I'm gonna yep. go investigate." Yep. Well, let me ask you this, uh, CJ, because one of the things as a writer that I run into when I'm talking to people about this is the difference between a two dimensional decoy and a three dimensional decoy. Tell me what the uh, uh, what the advantages of the two dimensional are and um, and how. Um, to place it to like the angles that you would use it for your best advantage. So a deer doesn't end up walking up on it, you know, f- straight on and not see it. So the advantage to the, the 2D is just, it's a lot uh, less weight to carry and it's a lot smaller package when it's folded up to carry. Cause you can literally put a deer decoy in your backpack that you're currently using. And, you know, like that uh, doe rump I was talking about, it's small folds up so small I can literally cram it into a, like a cargo pocket on a hunting pant so you know okay. it's, it's just the ease of use and you know how easy it is to get burned out carrying something if you're from South Carolina you probably use a climate stand a lot you know how hard it is after about four days of hunting on that thing you just don't want to carry it anymore that's it's not the right. same way with a decoy so, yeah. um, but the, the benefit of the three dimensional is you can be a little more sloppy with where you put it up because wherever the deer come from they see it but having said that, I've had deer in South Carolina come to the two-dimensional decoy. It was a doe. Uh, and when they would circle behind it, they would kind of freak out because it went away and hop off about five yards. But then he would, like, see it again, and he would turn right around, come back, and get behind it again. And, like, where did she keep going? Hops off. So you just have to give it a little more thought and placement, you know, because usually 
you know, if nothing else, you're hunting a spot, there's a wind direction. So you can assume the deer aren't going to come from down wind of you most of the time, depending on how you access the place and what your scent control regime is, all these other things. But you, you kind of have to take your best guess. And I'll take that one step further if I'm using, it, you know, where trees are around, is I'll use trees to block the two-dimensional part of it. Um, just like I mentioned, sticking the dough up directly to a tree with a thumbtack, I'll, when I'm using leg poles, I'll use trees or brush to kind of block it from that way. And that also helps steer the deer to a, a better place for me to shoot it at the same time. You know, if it's a buck coming straight on to a buck and he has to go around the tree or does something like that, you know, that's changing his angle a little bit, hopefully uh, to a more favorable position for me to take the shot. But the trade-off with 2D is obviously it's not 3D, but you get a whole lot of weight savings. Um, and our decoys are printed from an actual image of a wild animal. It doesn't matter if it's a turkey, a deer, a moose, or whatever. It's an actual image. So, you know, the realism factor from that level is is through the roof. It's not a molded decoy. It's a lot quieter. People don't think about that, too. Um, you know, because it's, it's cloth and whatever is metal is wrapped inside of it. So, you know, you definitely got a, a softer surface if you do accidentally bump something against it. Uh, and I did misspeak, misspoke whatever the right way to say that is, well, earlier. Those, the deer decoys are generally about 30 ounces, give or take, one way or the other, with the leg poles. Okay. Uh, if you take the leg okay. poles out, it drops it down to about 12 or 13. But, um, now, now, it's the same image on both sides, right? Yes. It is. Well, um, we've played with some where we have different images on each side, but to match those up is really tough. But we end up with the, the same image on each side. And we also put an um, extra layer of fabric in the whitetail ones just because that tends to be used in a lot more static position and sometimes the position of the sun when you start hunting is not where it ends up later. So that, that eliminates a lot of the shine through um, that you used to get with some of our older ones. Uh, okay. So these yeah. now a little, little extra layer of black material inside of it. Which truly does make a difference. It does. Again, we all said whitetails were what we thought was the toughest thing to decoy. Yep. So every little thing you can trip in that favor uh, is a big deal. Well, and the moving tail. Just, just, just from an air air current, just, just enough to give some type of movement, because a whole lot of decoys, even the three D, they don't have any of that, you, you, right? I mean, CJ. Yep. And and yep, when, you're right, and you got to be so, you know, there used to be all these electronic tails and things you can get, but you've got to be so careful with where you're hunting with those from yes. legality standpoints and stuff. That um, ours is just held on with magnets and. You know, if if, uh, if a hunter likes to use scent on their decoy, you can literally put it on that tail, and after you're done with that hunt, throw that tail away, order another one, put it back on the decoy if you don't want scent on it again, or you want to change your scent or whatever you're doing. Those tails kind of hold the scent better, and um, but it doesn't contaminate the decoy like if you were just dumping it straight on the decoy. So the teaser tail will fit any of those decoys. I'm looking at it on your website now. That Other than tail. like the estrus Betty because of the pose is just so different. But like you can put it on the dreamy doe. It comes on the um, motion okay. doe that's in the Archer's Choice plot pack. You can right. use it on the freshman. Um, the okay. doe rump comes with two actually that are held through it with magnets. Okay. That's cool. That's really cool. I like that. Having the movable tail on oh, there. Oh, that's huge. Because movement, I know like in turkeys, movement is so critical. When you're when it, whenever you're using decoys for for turkeys, if you can get that wind to move that thing just a little bit, it, it oftentimes can be the the uh, the deal breaker for that gobbler. You know, and and I you touched on it a little bit earlier, but but the other thing is is and again, you know, we're, we we've got to put in consideration the safety 
aspects right. of right. things. But but you know, a lot of gun hunters they, they don't and shotgun hunters and muzzleloader hunters they they don't think about decoys. And I I truly believe they're miss they're missing an opportunity because now that you could reach out further, putting out that feed and dough you know that that feed and dough or put you know putting out one of the other other decoys out in a more let's say a, you know just a, a uh, you know, a, a, a cut cornfield or, you know, they just harvested the, the, the beans. You put that out there further. And again, those deer that come out to the edge and hesitate because they don't see anything. And then all of a sudden your, your more mature deer are going to wait mm-hmm. because they're going to wait till dusk, you know, till dark to come out. They come out and they or they come to that edge. They start seeing and they see a deer feeding out there. It tells them, hey, everything's good. It's OK. Everything's safe. So, yeah, you might have to, you know, walk out there and put that out at 100 yards. Mm-hmm. But it's it's just it's it's a billboard saying, hey, guys, I'm out here already. It's good. Right. Right. Now, some of your decoys, um, CJ, the uh, turkey and some of the waterfowl, you have some some three dimensional ones in there as well. Right. That's correct. We have a, um, a 3D uh, hen that we call Miss Perfect and a 3D Jake that we call uh, Jake Perfect. And we've also got a uh, decoy we introduced last year, a reaping decoy. You can use it as a static as well. It's kind of a hybrid because the head and neck are 3D and you can put your real feathers in it, which I think makes a huge difference. Um, but the, the two-dimensional turkeys and the waterfowl you're talking about, we make a snow goose and a um, Canada goose that come with um, – couple of the, the geese ones have three three-dimensional ones and it's a 12-pack which at the risk of a shameless plug we are doing a tremendous sale on those right now for 50 bucks um we'll buy you a pack of those but they also have feather cuts in them and just like you were talking about with that movement uh, on decoys and, and the deer tail that little bit of feather cuts because if you think when you've watched the turkey a uh, hen feeding in an opening or something and the wind blows, you can kind of see those little pin feathers pick up a little bit and move around. And that's exactly what those feather cuts do on our turkeys. And it just adds a whole lot more realism to it. Plus they can, they kind of pivot on their stake, but there's an elastic cord that keeps them in check. So they don't just sit there and spin round and round. Right. Um, right. But right. That, that little bit of movement. And then these are 3d, but they still fold up flat. So they're you're awesome. not carrying anywhere near. Well, yeah. We use them down at Hoppies. Yeah, yeah we, we have them the yep. When I was with y'all down there, I saw you. It's set like them up an accordion. It just comes. It, the whole thing pops out. It's and, really cool. And I mean, it, it, you know, there's people that say, "Well, well I want to put more decoys out." Well, then they got to, you know, have three people to carry all their dang decoys. <laughs> yeah, you got an otter sled dragging yeah, behind you to go. Not these. You saw. Yeah. I've got the elastic band. Boom, you close them up. You take the elastic band off. You poop, you, you have a three-dimensional decoy. Yep. It's feathered. It has movement. It has everything. Plus, you can position the head. You, it, oh, really? it's, it's a flex head. So you can turn around, you could make one feeding, you could change the position on the stake, you could bring that bird, pitch it down so it's feeding, mm-hmm. then you put your Jake up or you put your guy, I, I mean, the, the, I, I, I'm not, this, I guess it's sounding like a plug, I guess it is, but the reality of it is, is on any decoy, if you have more versatility, mm-hmm. if you can change things up, change the position of it and all these other things. To me, that that just gives you that much more, you know what I mean, opportunity for success. Because a lot of these times, and you see them, that boy, some of those three dimensional decoys, they're beautiful, oh, huh, yeah. CJ? I mean, they're you're like, wow. Oh, yeah. But try to try to carry three of them in the field. Number one, 
Oh, and by the way, they're they're all in one position. Or and some or of them are really one. hard plastic too. Yes, they make yeah. a lot of they noise. They make a lot of noise. Yep. I tell you though, back to what you said a minute ago. This this goose combo of 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 a twelve Canada geese for fifty bucks. That yeah. is a great deal. <laughs> <laughs> that is a. I would probably to be clear. That's that's three three dimensional. The other ones in there are two D, which right. is a top view. And a side view, and even on the side view, you can still adjust if you want it in a looker or a feeder pose in that. And, yeah, you know, snow geese are tend to be a little higher flyers than Canada's. So the snow geese has uh, six of the top view and three side view, and the Canada has three of the top view and six of the side view. Okay, okay. But still, that is a great deal to get that many, that, that kind of a combination of, uh, of decoys for that price. That is, that is ridiculously. Yeah. These guys that run a lot of big spreads, it's just a great cheap way to fill in your spread. Uh, if nothing else. So. And we've got some Pete, I'll show them to you. You'll see how all, that whole amount of decoys fits in a little, I, I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. I'd like to see that. Yeah. That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. And maybe I'll, you know, we'll, we'll sell you one, one set for, what would you say? Seventy nine ninety five. You see how they treat me here, <laughs> Carolinian or whatever yeah. they're called. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> we'll be right back with more Ralph and Vicky's Off Grid Podcast with your host Pete Rogers. Ralph and Vicky's Off Grid Podcast is brought to you by True Glow. TrueGlow is committed to providing their customers with innovative products containing quality and value-added features for archery, crossbow, and firearms. Now, anytime you shop at TrueGlow.com, you can enter a promo code OFFGRID20 and receive 20% off of your purchase. This is a special offer for our OffGrid podcast listeners. How awesome is that? TrueGlow, when brightness counts, count on TrueGlow. Welcome back to Ralph and Vicky's OffGrid podcast with your host, Pete Rogers. We're coming to you from the Hunter's Blend Coffee Studio. Now, let's get back into this week's show. So, uh, while we're jumping uh, species here, I'm going to talk about your predator decoys, because that, that's something I, I love to do, is to hunt coyotes and foxes and, and bobcats uh, by, by calling them in. Um, and I've, I've started using uh, decoys for that maybe three years ago, but I used the motion, mm-hmm. the motion decoys, but... Uh, Actually, this is really going to sound funny, but back oh boy. years ago, before we even had coyotes, and I was hunting foxes, I would go down to the Dollar Tree and buy a white stuffed rabbit and just set it mm-hmm. out and just throw it out there, you know, fifty yards in front of me, and just let mm-hmm. it and let it just sit there. And it's amazing how well that works. Amazing. And I see your rabbit here, so tell me about that and how it works. So currently, we have a rabbit and a coyote in our predator line. We used to make a, uh, a fawnsy, which was a spotted fawn, um, but we no longer carry that. The rabbit is built just like our smaller two-dimensional turkey, but still twist folds. So even though you don't really need to fold it up, you can fold it up to make it literally even smaller to fit in your bag, or pack, or whatever you're carrying. Uh, it's printed on both sides. The uh, coyote uh, is sort of the same, obviously a little bit bigger than the rabbit. Um, but in full disclosure, we are coming out with a new coyote next year that will have sort of the teaser tail version on it. And we've changed the way we're able to do printing. So the detail on the coyote is going to be through the roof compared to the current model. And we're also introducing a, um, not that you'd be able to use this a whole lot in South Carolina, but a antelope fawn 
for the Western guys of the predator hunting is something a little different than a lot of those predators out there have never seen before. Um, so, you know, early uh, fawning season and stuff like that would be a little secret trick, and we're going to have that out. Uh, all of these things will be released next year in 2020. Ironically, we sell a surprising number of the coyote that we currently have to uh, folks that are using it in an effort to keep critters out of their yard, off their golf course or whatever. And we, we actually repackaged it in more of a garden store friendly packaging. We call it the garden kojo. So um, they have a lot of different uses and I've even used them. Uh, you guys have hunted all over. I know when you're hunting some of those big uh, alfalfa fields out West for whitetails, you know, they'll come up trail A today, trail B tomorrow, trail C Thursday. And you're just hopping around trying to get within bow range of them. So, you know, if there's if your deer decoys aren't working, sometimes I'll plant and stick a coyote decoy out at the far end to make them shy towards me. Hopefully, I've done that before. Wow, so that's a great idea. idea. That's yeah. a damn yeah. good. And it, and and that, like you said, the coyote decoy, it's nothing. I, I mean, that that literally could fit in a side pouch with without an oh, yeah. issue. Yeah, and you, and you always have that. That's good. a yeah. great that's a good idea. idea. It is a great man. You are smarter than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know what you thought of me originally, so that's still not saying a whole lot. <laughs> no, but that's honestly, I mean, that's a really great idea. I mean, you know, we're talking about making them comfortable, but instead, well, yeah. you can actually make them uncomfortable so that they can move closer oh, to you by using the coyote oh, instead. You're yeah. using that coyote to create a pinch point. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what a, you're doing. Yeah. That's, right. that's a really that's, good idea. That's brilliant. You know, I've used the turkey decoys during deer hunting to try to make deer calm down. Yeah. Because I didn't have deer decoys. I said, well, maybe this will make them more calm. But, man, what you just said, CJ, is just, that's you know, it's a 180-degree different way of thinking. But I, I can see where that would work really, really well. Well, I'm going to tell you something. You're going to think I'm crazy. We already do. Yeah, but but right. I, all of, yeah, our guys, I proved it to them, is, you know, especially turkey hunting, um, we're on the ground. And when all of a sudden we got deer and they're coming right to us, we just flip up our, our, you know, our, our fan decoy mm-hmm. and you just hold it up and just slowly move it left and right. Those deer relax with us just sitting there in full camo on the ground. And it's all of a sudden it like solidifies that that image there. Well, they see the tail fan. You, you know what I mean? They see it and, and we've got footage of them just relaxing and they just walk, you know, they just walk by. And, and oh. I, I mean, it's, it works. And, and, you know, we've never thought of using it, you know, sitting down in the ground, maybe late season, like we do with the ghillie suits on, you know, yeah. to do some dough stuff. We might not, you know what I mean? Yeah. We should maybe think about doing that. And, and again, I just want to make that this point is, you know, always make sure wh- where you're hunting. I was getting ready to say, you know, because yeah. if you're, yeah. if you know, we are fans of fanning, and and our 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 turkey decoys are the perfect thing, but it's you know, but make sure where you're at so you're safe. Yeah, I will, you know. Yeah, that should be rule number one. Is it safe for me to use a decoy before you even get to what am I going to do with it? Right, yes. right, right, right. You know, and there's a, there's another advantage to, to to Montana decoys. Okay, because here you are. Let's just say it's early afternoon. You're walking out with a full 3D decoy on your shoulder. On your shoulder, <laughs> on public land. <laughs> on public <laughs> land. I, I'm, I'm just saying. I, I mean, 
let's you know you start weighing the pros and cons and and i'm telling you right now i love my decoy that fits in my backpack (laughs) yeah because we don't want bubba shooting that that, that, well that floating decoy on somebody's back you you know you you know we always want to want to think we've got the best out there but the reality of it is sometimes people aren't experienced they see something it looks like the image they're they're after and you know they they take a shot right um you know so well, CJ, you had mentioned a couple of new products you're coming out with in 2020. Are, are there any others that you want to share with us real quick? So we've got the, the coyote that I mentioned and the antelope fawn for predator. Um, we're also uh, releasing a, um, you're familiar with big red moo cow. We sell a lot of those for yeah. antelope, yeah. elk, yes. whatever, waterfowl, turkey. But we're also, and that's an interesting story because years ago we had a black moo cow. Yeah, profile and everybody wanted a red one. So we build a red one, and all I hear now is, "Why don't you make a black one?" So <laughs> I can't, I can't win that battle. But what we're doing is we're making a facing on black moo cow. And creative as we are, we're going to call her Bessie because that just sounds like a cow well, name. Well, it is a cow um, name, yes. <laughs> and you can walk. You know, you can use it as a stalking shield a little easier because. You're walking straight at it. It looks like the cow's moving towards you. And I used it in Nebraska, a prototype this year, messing around with it some with mule deer and had some, some pretty good luck with it. Um, I just couldn't quite get the shot I wanted with my stick bow, but in field testing it and stuff like that, we learned a little bit about we're going to put the handles and things like that. But that will be available so it's uh, a, next it's year a, as well. It's a front-on facing cow. Yeah, front-on yeah. black blue cow. cow. Okay. So Daisy's walking right to you. Betsy. Or Betsy. 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 Get Betsy. No T. Bessie. Bessie. Betsy. Yeah. Bessie. Bessie. Bessie? Tell us, CJ. Bessie. No T. Bessie. 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 Oh, that must be a South Carolina thing, because I would have said Betsy with a T in it. And see, here. I would have said Daisy. See, that's why I'm here, CJ. Oh, my that's gosh. Why I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how they made it this far with no one from South Carolina working. I, it's amazing, <laughs> isn't it? Oh, well, oh my gosh. We can only speculate, and that's probably not a good thing to do right now. No, we probably should not do that right now. No. Gosh. <laughs> And the other thing that we're coming out with is going to be a ultralight backcountry elk decoy that is uh, a little bit different design, a little bit different material composition. Um, and it will work with um, trekking poles or a trekking pole. I know a lot oh. of oh. Uh, guys and gals that are backcountry hunters are using their trekking poles, getting in and out with heavy you know, packs your cut token in and yep. hopefully bring out elk quarters and stuff. So it will work with your trekking pole. Doesn't have to. You can use a leg pole with it, um, but it'll be a single pole application and it is super, super light. And that'll be called the backcountry elk. It's uh, kind of a rump on pose just to minimize um, the profile of it when you're folding it up and stuff. So kind of like mid September with a rump facing like that or a little bit more rump? A little bit more rump than that. Okay. We used to make a rump decoy a few years ago. Um, but it, it's very similar to that pose, but it's got a different wire and a different fabric yeah, yeah. and uh, other components like that to it. Well, we like big rumps. We can't lie. I was going to yeah. say, baby's got back. What? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, well, you know, the, she just got done with Thanksgiving, so. <laughs> nice. That's a great idea because I use trekking poles when I'm hunting backcountry because I just, you know, I'm older and I need that extra balance. You use balance. trekking poles like just walking from here to there. Well, to go check the mail, man. 
I always kind of rolled my eyes a little bit at trekking poles, but they then work. I started using them too. And it, it's the, the biggest thing for me is like when you're going over a bunch of deadfalls and stuff, yes. I can be so much quieter with a trekking pole in my hand. Yes. Well, I, I'm yes. going to tell you too, they laughed at me for years, but but when you're walking down an angle or side, side mountain, it it just I don't know what it gives you that sense of security it gives you a lot more balance and you're you just keep going and, and it's you know you you can cover more ground quicker and quieter using them than not having them right right and I used to know the science behind it because I've written several stories on on using them and encouraging people to use them but it's something like 20 percent you're you're protecting your knees by 20% of the impact by using trekking poles. Really? Oh, because you're using your arms and your core instead. your arms do that, yeah. And your legs don't tire out as much because especially like pulling uphill and you're using your arms to pull yourself uphill and not just your legs, that it really saves saves your muscles and your joints by using them. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. It does. It does. So now you know you can get me a new pair. Oh my gosh! Just just a present. Boy, they make there's some, another Christmas list, <laughs> <laughs> and they make some super nice lightweight ones now too. That you they won't do. even notice you're in your pack if the, you're not using them. The carbon yeah. ones, yeah. I have some carbon ones that are just they're like six ounces, and I have to have the twenty nine millimeters or centimeter, whatever it is. Everything's in metric except when you need it to be. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I, I love yeah. that you're putting that to the elk decoy. That yeah, really is cool. That's then. a great idea. Yeah. Great idea. All right. Well, and I know this is uh, your guys' podcast, but I'd like to ask a question. Sure. Oh my goodness. Hold on. Let me sit down. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Out of all the stuff that you have decoyed with, uh, in your hunting career, what is your absolute most favorite animal to use a decoy on? Moose. Moose. When they come in. Both moose and elk. I, I don't know if I want to pick just the moose just because it, it's just like when they come when they commit to that decoy. They're coming. They just come. They don't they don't hesitate. Like we said, whitetails are kind of harder to decoy. They're not the same thing as a moose or an elk. But I think a moose for two, like you just said, CJ, one, just because it's like Jurassic animal coming in at you and when you can get them you know, five feet from you, that's just crazy. And their eyes are rolled in the back of the head because they, they heard a call, they saw something that looked like a moose, and they came in. You know, I mean, it's just elk hunting is the same way. Elk hunting is pretty cool using the decoy as well. But, man, there's just something about moose hunting. But, but here's the other thing, too. I, I think we have to put – we have to compare apples to apples and oranges to oranges. Okay, with, with – uh, if you look at today and more people are, are really using like our turkey decoys and and shooting these birds like point blank range. OK, right, right. Most of your deer decoying is done at 20 or 25 or 30 yards and you're not near it. Right. Does yeah, that make yeah, sense? Right, yeah, right. So yeah. your engagement using that decoy is not like it is with your moose or your elk because yeah, that's they're, true because they're closer. Yeah, they're and coming. they react differently, and but, they're yeah. But, but think about this. Think about how many people have had success with their, de- their you know the deer decoys, and that big buck comes in and he postures and he flares up and he starts sidestepping and he's showing off his antlers just like an elk does, just like a bull moose does to the decoy. But you're not; he's not eye level to you. you yeah, you, you, you know yeah, what I mean? because you're usually in a tree stand. Yeah, so so the engagement isn't there. But when when you when that decoy. When you use that decoy and that animal is coming to you, 
And you're on the ground. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's a new adrenaline rush. And just like CJ, he's grabbing that stick and string. You, you know what I mean? Yep. And he knows that it's going to be close. Yeah. And and, and I, I think the same thing is, you know, that that's why we love him w- with everything. But, but more so when you're on the ground using it to attract them to you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 That's awesome. And when the dim you're attracting weighs more than 800 pounds, that just adds a little something else to it. <laughs> oh, it does. Yeah. That adrenaline runs a little bit quicker. <laughs> I was just going to say, you know, we've all talked about everything but antelope. And antelope are obviously something that, that, you know, during the rut are awesome to decoy. And you can post up decoys around water holes. But, and then talking to my buddies that, that haven't traveled out west or haven't hunted, you know, much beyond what they've grown up doing, it always baffles me why more people don't pursue antelope not just because i'd love to sell everybody a brother an antelope decoy but just because that's such a that's a gateway species to me to hunting the west you can get in it reasonably cheap for an antelope hunt even if you do a fully guided one and certainly a diy one can be done cheap and they're a, i mean that's a pretty unique animal for the north american continent when you start looking at an antelope compared to everything else it's just a really neat species i don't understand why it doesn't get more fanfare than it does you know, as an Eastern guy, I agree with you. I was actually talking with Ralph and Vicky about this this week while I've been here. Is I've been putting in for antelope tags in Wyoming for I think I've got four preference points now, um, and uh, I'm going to go DIY because I just want to try it that way into mm-hmm. and, and to see. And uh, um, but it's it's one of the iconic American animals. It's only found here, and I agree with you. I, I, th- I think it's a beautiful animal, and it's one of those that that I think more people should take advantage of. It's it's where where it lives and how you get to hunt it make it uh, a really fun activity i think well i think the other thing i'm sorry the other thing too though is they live by eyesight right okay when they you know especially for a bow hunter if you're you're hiding in a sage but you know or you got a ground blind that's been there for a while and they're acclimated to it if they see a, a another goat standing there it tells them it's okay Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? It I just do. tells, it solidifies yeah. again. And th- that's where, you know, the, the decoys, as long as you, you know how you're setting them up and you're doing this, they work. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they work. And boy, when an antelope buck commits to a decoy, sometimes he commits at like 45 miles an hour. <laughs> I was going to say, they're a little <laughs> territorial. Oh, little, buddy. Yeah. Isn't that's that crazy cool. how, how territorial they are? And I mean, they, they, they ain't afraid. They'll come, I mean, they come running in. So, CJ, we're getting close to our time here, and, and I don't want to keep you. I know you. I know you're a busy man, and you got a company to run and everything. Um, so, there's two things. Is one, we're going to go through this lightning round questions really, really quick. Okay. Archery or firearm? Archer. Camouflage or flannel? Camo. Camo. Tree stand or ground blind? <laughs> we're getting everybody on that everybody one. Stops everybody on that. hesitates on that. Oh my gosh! I don't, <laughs> wow, that's so situational to me. Because it, all right, if you tell me you got your stick bow and you get to kill this deer, would you rather kill him out of a tree stand or on the ground blind? I probably would pick on the ground. But if you tell me you have a chance at him, where do I think my chances are better? That's probably up in the tree. Okay. All right. So we didn't get the one word answer. No. Okay. <laughs> but you're right. It is. It is very situational. Yeah. Just, I'll say situational. That's one word. Okay. There, okay, you, go. there you go. Yeah. There you go. Can you spell it? No. no. <laughs> 
How long does it take you to get ready to go hunting? Ten minutes. All right. Ten minutes. Ten minutes. Ten minutes. Okay. Yeah. Well, so I must be really slow. It takes me almost well, an hour. We to get knew ready. that though. Oh. An hour? <laughs> exactly, oh, right? Buddy. You have no idea what we're working with oh, here. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I'm telling you. It might be that South Carolina thing, though. Carolinian oh. or whatever it's he called himself. that southern thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to retract that. It's not an hour. My name is Pete. <laughs> okay. <laughs> lightning round. All right. What age did you kill your first animal? Probably eight. Eight? Okay. What was it? A bird with a pellet gun. There you nice. go. Yeah, baby. <laughs> On a scale of one to ten... How good of a shot are you? Situational. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> you prefer cake or pie? Cake. Mountains or prairies? Mountains. Name one of the Snow White Seven Dwarfs. Sneezy. <laughs> Sneezy. That's how I feel today. <laughs> Favorite ice cream flavor? Lemon. Lemon. Whoa. Deer jerky or summer sausage? Jerky. Star Wars or Indiana Jones? Star Wars. Oh. Oh. What did you drive in high school? A 1984 Toyota four-wheel drive truck. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Regular cab, manual steering, I'm sure. No, no, it had that little bitty narrow extended cab, but it was manual transmission. Yeah, yep. 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 Okay. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Give us your best turkey gobble. <laughs> um, <clears throat> oh, nice. Oh, that went bad. It went bad. Two more. Favorite movie? Of all time? Of all yeah. time. I'm going to just say Star Wars. Because, uh, because it's on your head. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Original, all right. Last the original one. one. And your favorite outdoor book? Fred Bear's Steel Note. Oh, oh, great. Good, go. one. good one. Great one. Good one. CJ, thank you so much for joining us here, man. We really appreciate it. It's been a great, it's been a great talk. Um, tell us how people can get a hold of you or where they can find your products. So obviously, you can go to our website, MontanaDecoy.com, and we've got all our uh, products listed on there. Uh, you can also reach out to us through that website if you have a specific question. And we do build custom decoys. We've built everything from zebras to gimsbucks to dolphins to water buffalo. Oh, so okay. if you have an interest in that, don't hesitate to reach out to us through right. the website social media facebook and instagram and uh, i would dearly love it if you'd sign up for our e-newsletter and you can do that on our website um we definitely uh want to build a loyal customer base and we try to be a good company to do that and give you good content not just buy 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 stuff so um Heck, those recipes are how you get up and with tips us. and everything everything yeah and a lot of it has absolutely nothing to do with gosh even hunting or decoys for sure but we we're kind of random with some of our information and we get you know some neat discounts with some of our other partners just to kind of throw it in the mix with uh, what we send out to our people on that email so that's going to conclude this episode of ralph and vicky's off-grid podcast i'm your host pete rogers tune in next time when we will discuss more topics and and tips about archery hunting and living the outdoor lifestyle if you haven't subscribed to us please do thanks for listening Ralph and Vicky's Off-Grid Podcast is brought to you by Bass Pro Cabela's. Get geared up for the upcoming hunting season with your official Bass Pro Cabela's hunting equipment. Be prepared for your next big buck or trophy tom with a huge selection of hunting accessories, including archery equipment, game calls, hunting optics, and more. Purchase high-quality hunting gear and supplies from Bass Pro Cabela's today and be ready for your next trip.
Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you come back again for more Ralph and Vicky's Off-Grid Podcast with your host, Pete Rogers.